Hey folks, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. I wanna thank you for taking the time to join us today. Now over the years, like many of you, I'm sure I have had many different jobs. As a kid, I had a paper route. As a teen, I worked for a local farmer. As a young man, I worked for a number of contractors as the laborer. I've been roofing and I've worked in a factory. And while working for a contractor, we would have sub crews working on our job sites, you know, roofers and masons and HVAC systems and drywallers. And once in a while, I noticed that some of the men wouldn't be at work. And when I asked my boss about it, it turned out that after payday, some of the guys would go and celebrate a little too hard, shall we say, and, and wouldn't be in good condition to come to the job site the next day. Interesting thing was, when they needed more money, well, here they were, back at work. You see, most of the guys lived for the moment. They only thought about today. They only thought about the fact that they had money in their pocket, so why not have a few rounds with the guys and enjoy themselves? They didn't think too much about the future. And I wonder how many of us live our lives like this. Maybe you don't spend all of your paycheck or party a little too hard with the guys, but how many of us live our lives with little consideration for the future, little thought, about life after this world, little thought about eternity. If you have a Bible, I wanna encourage you to grab it out and turn to Luke chapter 12. Just previous to the section we're gonna get into, Jesus has told us not to be anxious, not to worry about tomorrow, not to fear because God knows your needs. I meet a lot of people who will hear this and they'll say, well, if we're, if we're not supposed to worry, to, to have fear about anything, why not just eat, drink, and be merry? The truth is, Jesus told us not to worry or be fearful about tomorrow, but he didn't teach that we should ignore tomorrow. In fact, as we are going to see today, Jesus makes clear that he will one day return, so we ought to be thinking about the future. Here is what I want you to grab hold of. When you understand God has a future for you, it will propel you in how you should live today. So. Luke 12, 35, we're going to read a section and kind of unpack a few things. Jesus says this, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Now, just this past week, school started again in our area. After a fun, relaxing summer with our four children, the routine of packing lunches and waking up early and getting outfits ready now plagued my life. And every morning, I ask the same question. Do you have everything ready? Are you ready to go? I mean, everything. Don't be looking for a shoe as we're walking out the door. 
Are you ready? I'm sure some of you parents can relate to this nightmare. In this passage, Jesus uses word pictures to emphasize kind of the same point. Are you ready? Are you thinking about the future? Specifically, he is stressing this truth. Be ready for his return. See, the first thing he says is this. He uses the illustration of being dressed ready. Now, some of your Bibles will say, let your loins be girded. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't girded my loins lately. So let me kind of explain this. In that day, everyone wore these long robes, which were a hindrance if you needed to move quickly or freely. If a person planned to run or go to work, he would kind of tuck his robe into his sash around his waist so that it would not interfere with his movements. The word for ready indicates a state of continued readiness for action. See, Jesus is saying for you, ready, you need to be ready to get moving. You need to be ready for his return. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, he says. And I'm guessing none of you are burning oil in your lamps to keep the lights on in your home. Remember, however, in this culture, in this day and time, they had no electricity. There were no street lights to help you find your way. No nightlight to help you get to the bathroom in the middle of the night. So what did they use? They used oil lamps. And they would have to ensure the oil didn't run out. So Jesus is saying, be ready, keeping your lamps burning like one waiting for the master to return from a wedding feast. See, in that culture, I mean, wedding feasts could go on for days. The point is no one knew for sure when the master was actually going to return from the feast. So the servants would take turns watching. The lamp light glowing in the window was a sign to the master that the servant was ready and looking forward for his master to return. A faithful servant kept the lamp burning to welcome his master. The last image that Jesus kind of uses here is one of a thief breaking into a house in the middle of the night. Now, I've never had a thief break into my home, but I've actually had my vehicle broken into multiple times. It's not a great feeling to open the door in the morning and find everything rummaged through. Jesus says, if a homeowner had known when the thief was coming, what would he have done? He would have been ready and waiting. See, Jesus is saying, my return will be like that. It will be sudden and it will be unexpected. After giving his illustrations, Jesus says in verse 40, you also must be ready because the son of man, this is a title that Jesus would use for himself, the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. In this moment, Jesus is walking with people. I want to understand this. He's teaching them. He's healing them. They're, they're, they could touch him and they could see him, but he is saying there will come a time when I will not be with you. I'm going away. Folks, you and I are actually living in that time. However, he says, I will come back. I will return. You won't know when. Be watching. Be waiting. Be prepared. For those who are ready, it will be good when he returns. Verse 37 says, truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table. So a big celebration feast is going to happen and will come and wait on them. Who is going to be doing the serving? Who is going to be doing the waiting? Jesus says, the master will serve those who are ready and waiting. This would have been unthinkable in the culture. See, our Bibles have translated the word servant here, but the word actually is slave. I want you to think for a moment. 
Those listening to Jesus' words, the master will serve and honor the slave? See, Jesus is flipping the cultural paradigm on his head. Jesus will return, and for those ready, he, the master, will honor them. Jesus, God, will serve them. Jesus will celebrate with them. It will be good. It will be a good day for those who follow Jesus. Now, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, then chimes in with some questions, as Peter often does. In verse 41, Peter asks, Lord, are you telling this parable to us, speaking of the disciples, or to everyone? Hey, Jesus, uh, should we be paying attention to this, or is this kind of just this public service announcement, if you will? Now, Jesus doesn't really acknowledge Peter, but he answers the question with some more illustrations. In verse 42, he says this, The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. A few years ago, I worked, I mentioned, as a roofer. In fact, I actually had my own roofing company. And at one point, I had five, six guys working for me, and most of the guys were hard, diligent, faithful workers. However, there was this one guy who, let's just say, wasn't cut out for the hard work of roofing. He spent most of his time looking to see where I was, and as soon as I wasn't on the job site, he would start looking, uh, you know, looking for something else to do or just sitting around. But when I showed up, of course, he looked busy. <laughs> the problem was he didn't know I was actually watching him the whole time, and I could see what he was doing. I remember one day I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him for like an hour. I hadn't seen him, and so I went walking around the house to look for him, and there he was sitting down in the shade. When it came to the end of the week, of course, the other guys were rewarded with their paychecks because of their consistency and their hard work. And this guy, well, he received a termination notice. You see, Jesus uses this illustration to show Peter that for those who have been given the responsibility of caring for others, we can't let ourselves become lazy and complacent. We can't expect others to be doing the work. We can't be sitting around when the master is away and he has given us a task. It isn't time to be idle. It isn't time to be, it is rather, it's time to be faithful and wise. Listen, if you say you are a follower of Jesus, I need to understand this. You are to be about the master's work. We are to take seriously the responsibility to care for those God has brought into our lives. I want you to understand, in that culture, servants did not have a life of their own. They lived to please their master. The question for us is, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, do you live to please your master? The apostle Paul would later write in Romans 1.1, he says this, Paul, a servant, which is actually the same word we talked about earlier, a slave. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. In Philippians 1, 1, 1, Paul says this, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Even Jesus' little brother Jude would write this in Jude 1, 1. Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So I want you to understand, this is someone who sets aside all rights of their own to serve another. The idea is that Jesus has bought us with a high price by giving his own life on the cross as payment for our sin, and it should move our desire to abandon all rights to him and choose to serve him faithfully. A servant of Jesus knows 
who is the king. A servant of Jesus is one who has voluntarily set aside his or her personal rights in order to love, to serve, and obey the will of God. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, he is elevated to the position of master in our lives. He is the one we are following, and he is the one who is, expects us to be wise with what he's entrusted us. The master gives us the responsibility to serve those he brings into our lives. Jesus says upon his return, it will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing his work. The faithful and sensible manager will receive a reward. Verse 44, truly I tell you, he will put him, speaking of the master, will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Here's what Jesus is saying, for those who faithfully own the responsibility that the master has given them, he will bless them and he will add to their position. I want you to think about this. We do the same thing in our jobs, in our workplaces. We do the same thing in our homes. If one of my employees show responsibility, I'd elevate them to more responsibility with greater reward. If one of my kids show that I can trust them, I will trust them with more. See, Jesus says those who have been faithfully serving him, when he comes, he will put them in charge of all of his possessions. I want you to think about that. For those who spend eternity with Jesus, we won't be floating around on a cloud somewhere, but Jesus makes it clear. Throughout eternity, if we have been faithfully serving him here on this earth, Jesus will give us meaningful responsibilities. Now, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like, but the point Jesus is stressing is he is, the, is looking for faithfulness of his servants and he rewards them with greater responsibility in his future kingdom. In contrast, Jesus continues. He points to those who are not ready, those who are not about their master's work. Look at verse 45. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time to come. And he then begins to beat the other servants and both the men and the women and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour, he is not aware of. He will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving of punishment, he will be beaten with few blows. These servants thought wrongly that they had plenty of time before their master returned. And so what do they do? They began to live for themselves by abusing those that were under their care and by living wasteful lives. In contrast to those dressed and those who had their lamps ready and waiting for the master, these servants are caught off guard. Jesus says, there are those who know the master's will. They know what the master wants. They know how they should live. They know the master's heart, but they don't follow through. I want you to understand, there are people who listen to messages just like this all the time. There are people who attend our worship services who have been in religious circles, if you will, enough to know the truth. They have heard the message of the master, but they don't act on it. Instead, they think, oh, I have time to eat, drink, and be merry. 
I don't need to think about the future. And they procrastinate thinking, someday, someday I'll follow Jesus and serve him. But right now, you know, I've got to devote myself to my work and other things. And I, I have better, more exciting things to do. I'm not quite ready to follow Jesus. Let me ask you, what if the master comes now? What if the master comes this week? Hear me, don't be caught off guard when the master returns. To hear the truth of Jesus and ignore it is a risky way to live. Jesus finishes by saying this, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. As a wrap up, if you're like me, I need to know why this even matters to my life. I mean, why is it important for me to be ready? Why should I even think about the future? Folks, here's the truth of Christianity. See, Jesus has promised that he will return to establish his kingdom forever. He will return to make all wrongs right. He will return to bring all injustice to justice. He will return to bring those who follow him, who have made the choice to place their faith in him, into his kingdom. Jesus' desire and his invitation is for anyone to follow him. But for those who out of their choice do not, they will be eternally separated from God. So why does all this matter? Because eternity, life in the presence of Jesus, and the new life the master offers us now, it's all on the line. And Jesus uses this servant-master illustration. Those waiting and ready are waiting for the master. So the question all of us need to answer is simply, is Jesus your master? Are you living for today only now? And are you going to regret when the master returns? Are you foolishly thinking, I've got time? Jesus says that we should be like those who are waiting for their master when he returns. Folks, if you have never said yes to the invitation to believe and place your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you today, wherever you are listening, wherever you are watching, to say, yes, I need Jesus. Yes, I need forgiveness. Yes, I believe in him, that he died on the cross for my sin and he rose from death to give me a new life. I want to follow him, and I look forward to the day that he returns. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to place your faith in Jesus today. Or maybe you're listening and you would say, Yeah, I am a follower of Jesus. Jesus is my master. Jesus has given us instructions and expects those who follow him to live out those instructions. Now, before you get all worried and you start writing out this religious list of do's and don'ts, here are the commands of Jesus. 1 John 3, 23 says this, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, that is, make Jesus your master through faith and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. As we live our lives more with Jesus, as we follow the master, we learn to put his commands into practice by the power and the person of the Holy Spirit he gives us. So whether, listen, whether I'm shopping at Walmart or I'm mowing my yard or I'm spending time with my family, I should see myself as a servant of Jesus and desire to love him and love people. 
The question for us is, are we being faithful in the position and responsibility that Jesus has given us? When you understand God has a future for you, it will propel you in how you should live today. Folks, the master is the master of all, whether you recognize him as such. He is away right now, but he will return someday. When he comes back, will you be found dressed and ready for action? Will your lamp be found burning? Will you be ready to open the door when he knocks? If you have put your faith in Jesus, for those who say yes, he has a great future in store for you. For those not ready for the master, he will come and you're not ready for him. My question is, what group are you in today? Why don't you just join with me as we pray? Jesus, I thank you that you are a loving, perfect God. You have reached out to us when we had no thought of you. You came to rescue us when we wanted nothing to do with you. You call out to us when we had no desire to listen. The desire of your heart is that no one would be separated from you, but you leave that choice to us. So for those who have never placed their faith in you, they have never believed in you to save them from their sin, they have never said yes to Jesus. Jesus, I pray that they would do that right now. Wherever you are listening, it doesn't have to be a fancy words. Just simply say something along the lines of, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are a God and I place my faith in you to save me. I thank you that you die on the cross for my sin and you offer a new life. I want to follow you. For those who would say we are followers of Jesus, God, help us through the Holy Spirit to live for you to be about the master's work and to love those around us. May we not forget that you are going to return. You have a future for us, but in the here and the now, we are to be faithful in every area of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have a good future prepared for us and we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Take care.